happening? Sorry, I don't know no, what's happening. Okay. No, I thought I did something. No, what's happening is the world is a cold, cruel place, and that's why we get kicked off Skype in the middle of an episode. <laughs> Let me tell you, I just the things I have to rig up around here just to oh, make yeah. it work. Oh, I'm the same way. Welcome to Breast Cancer is Boring, a podcast about breast cancer with Jocelyn and Lauren. Whether you have breast cancer or any other kind of cancer, or you're just a weirdo who's super (laughs) cancer curious, welcome. We hope you enjoy. Because breast cancer is boring, but we and you Mm -hmm. are interesting. I love it. All right, that'll have to do. Anyway... Today, we are talking about Pinktober. 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 Pinkpocalypse. It's almost like a horror movie. Pinktober. Pinktober. Pinktober (laughs) is here to kill you and all your girlfriends. (laughs) Smother you with cotton candy yeah he's gonna use that pink ribbon he's gonna tie it around the necks of your sluttiest friend because she'll die first all the way up to your most virtuous friend then he's coming after you it's not gonna get you though because you're the star and you have to be in the sequel so yeah anyway pinktober lots of thoughts Lots of feelings. Uh, yeah. Lots of stuff. Before we get to that, though, a couple of mm-hmm. announcements. Announcement number one. Uh, <laughs> and this announcement really kind of encapsulates the complicated nature of our discussion today. Because Susan G. Komen is having a, a virtual metastatic breast cancer conference. It's called the LA to NYC Virtual Metastatic Breast Cancer Conference. I've never gone before, in person or virtually, but yours truly will be taking part in a recap session every Friday in October at 4.30 through this virtual metastatic breast cancer conference. So if you're curious to know how Jocelyn functions when she is slightly uncomfortable head on over listen in have some fun wow yeah good for you sure maybe could be might not be i don't know i am in over my head announcement number two my beef with netflix over canceling the streaming of parks and rec and then never accepting the streaming of Splaining, which is a quality show about women and their bodies from a quality person who's also a doctor and an expert, Dr. Jen Gunter. Um, that continues. We're still fighting, Netflix and I. However, for those who, like me, cannot experience the loss of friends of government, Leslie Nope, Ron Swanson, Donna Meagle, April Ludgate, at all, Gary, Larry, Terry, Gergich, you can catch them all on Amazon Prime if you have it. Nice. Also complicated because Amazon, Jeff Bezos, guys, kind of, you know, a garbage person, but like, ah, you can't win them all. So, mm-hmm. speaking of the complicated nature of existing and all of the things. That brings us to our subject for today, which is pink. Pink. I know. Pink, as far as the eye can see. Mm-hmm. Welcome to breast cancer. Your favorite color yeah. is pink. Your favorite smell is pink. Your favorite taste is pink. All your sweaters are pink now. You want to wear pink. You want to be mm-hmm. pink. Your shoes are pink. Absolutely. Mm. Every gift you will get. From now on, until your hair grows back, and I'm talking full length, is going to be pink. Mm-hmm. And it's going to say, stay strong. Oh, girl, you got this. <laughs> fight that or... fight. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. That, um... 
Mm. It's that's such an oxymoron, you know, stay strong when chemo is killing you from the inside. Also, you have zero strength. Yeah. Stay strong. Where, where is the strong to begin with? I don't have the strong. Do you No. Where are they selling that? I don't know. How can I get some? Somebody gave me a bracelet once that said that. And I was so mad. I said, stay strong. I was like, uh, yes. And I know they meant, well, it just, it's, I think people think that that's what we want to hear because that's what's advertised as a way to, I don't know, make people going through breast cancer feel better to wear a pink ribbon and you know, I don't really have any beef with the pink ribbon per se. And Mm -hmm. uh, well, there's some things I don't like about it, but I do have to say, I understand that it helps getting people the awareness out. Those people who, you know, even young girls, it, it may not make it so scary, you know, for, for younger women. I know I mean, even football teams during this, and and I mean, probably middle school, high school, college, and professional mm-hmm. ball of, of teams, you know, they were pink. Yeah. And, and on the and surface of it, I have always thought, well, that's sweet. Yeah. Like, wow, what a wonderful way to yeah. support this terrible situation. Right. And I never investigated it further. <laughs> right. And then I got breast cancer. Mm-hmm. And I did the things. I did the pink things. I got the pink gifts. You and I met at the Susan G. Komen Race for the Cure. Mm-hmm. And, well, that's been a very fruitful friendship for me anyway. Right. I don't know how you feel about it. but Agreed. It's been great for me. <laughs> And so, you know, you just accept it. You you take it. This is the identity now. And you really don't, I mean, you're busy having cancer, so you don't really think about it, I feel like, until later. Yeah. And I didn't think about it either until recently. Recently, right. I read an article um, in, this is an article from, I don't know, it's like from 2017 maybe, and it is an article in some journal in the UK, I think. I really should do better research. I've got better links further on in the episode outline, so just so you know. Cool. But in this article, the the journalist is talking to a woman named Audrey Burt, and she is uh, the founder of Breakthrough Breast Cancer, which is an organization that primarily... It's out of Scotland, and it's taking on this issue with pink. I will, in in Audrey's own words, and this was the first time I had read something like this, but Audrey says, this is from the article, Cancer is a physically exhausting and emotionally draining disease that screws your mind, takes you to the darkest places, and, like a nuclear bomb, has long-term fallout. It's lonely isolating and bloody scary at best at worst it's a killer the pink ribbon represents what many people would like me and other patients to be pretending that it's okay that we're not worried every time we feel a random pain that it's returned that we don't mourn our lost health a pink ribbon infantilizes and diminishes one of the hardest things anyone will ever deal with That's kind of a sick burn, if you ask me. But it infantilizes. So true, especially for the breast cancer patient who is just, I don't know. I mean, I feel like it's, you know how you see the, all those posts like Instagram versus reality? Yes. Yes. That, that's this. That's, that's the, this. the same thing. Yes. Yes. Mm-hmm. So the pink and all that crap and the smiles. And I'm doing it. Yay. I'm fighting cancer and I'm having fun and smiling. That is totally Instagram. Exactly. And reality is I'm 
shitting my brains out and I'm feeling like I can barely stand for longer than two minutes and, um, you know, worry is my everyday emotion. Mm-hmm. I am, you know, that yeah. is totally the Instagram versus reality. Yes. That's it. Modern day Bruce Willis <laughs> bald, shitting my ass off, can't yeah. eat anything, can't get out of bed, dark circles under the eyes. I hate everyone. And yet I somehow also feel guilty for not being my best. So to represent the other side of it, the pink ribbon, the origin is, you know, the origin of, of the ribbon to represent a disease really started with the AIDS epidemic. And the red ribbon was unveiled at the Tony Awards, actually, is what I read in an article recently. Interesting. Um, yeah, very interesting. And that kind of took off. And now we have different colored ribbons for a lot of different diseases, um, cancers and, and otherwise. But the pink ribbon was popularized by a marketing campaign put forth by Estee Lauder Company. Mm-hmm. And Estee Lauder responded in this article saying, the pink ribbon sparked a global movement galvanizing communities everywhere to drive awareness and action, including the funding of vital scientific research and education. Today, five-year survival rates are better than 90% with early detection, and the pink ribbon continues to inspire hope and drive action for a breast cancer-free world. Just, I read that sentence, I think, in a way that would lead people to believe that the five-year survival rate for for women or persons diagnosed with breast cancer is 90%. That's not true, actually. 90%, it's a five-year survival rate of, of better than 90% with early detection. So if you meet the criteria for early detection, your survival rate is 90%. So that's stage one or two right there. You can't claim a 90% survival rate. That statement alone, and so now I'm just kind of breaking that down and maybe in an unfair way, but that statement alone is a product of marketing. Mm -hmm. That statement alone reflects, I think, one of the main criticisms of, of pinkwashing as the term that I've become familiar with. And that is that it diminishes the, the horrific state that is living with a breast cancer diagnosis. And as much as the Estee Lauder Company and Susan G. Komen and other organizations like them have brought awareness and funded research, that's not all that's been done to make sure that people have access to care. And if you look, the first thing that tipped me off to kind of the history of breast cancer research and the history of activism and protesting Mm -hmm. around getting these drugs available to the public was in watching the Ken Burns documentary, um, Cancer, the Emperor of All Maladies, which is based on a book by a doctor whose name I just refuse to commit to memory because I'm not a good person. Let's see. Maladies. Let's just Google this real quick. Assuming my internet connection can handle a Google page at the same time as a Skype call, mm-hmm. which I'm really uh, dubious about. Oh, yeah, it's taking a minute. <laughs> Woo! Ooh, go! Go, Fiber! Go, AT&T Fiber! Number two on my shit list. <laughs> It goes, ooh, pardon me. It goes number one, Netflix. Number two, Google Fiber. No, not Google mm-hmm. Fiber, AT&T Fiber. Number three, pink washing. Okay, you know what? Screw that. It's never going to do it. Anyway, just look up the book, Cancer, the Emperor of All Maladies, and that doctor. Anyway, watching, it's a three-part documentary by Ken Burns. It's available on Amazon. Um it's worth watching, but as I've said before when mentioning this documentary, trigger warning, <laughs> you're going to cry, and it's going to take you yeah. several viewings 
to get through it, and that surprised me very much. But I believe the second episode has to do a lot with breast cancer, and it showed mm-hmm. footage of these activists outside of, um, uh, it was like a biotech, com- like a pharma startup company, Genentech, and they were developing in the early to mid-90s the drug Herceptin. Mm-hmm. to address her two positive cancers. We knew that about 20% of breast cancers were her two positive and they were developing the drug that would become, you know, known as Herceptin. And I guess word had co- gotten out that this drug, I mean, significantly reduced the mortality rate. And so what did we do? Because <laughs> we're women and we organized, we stormed we stormed the castle. We went right to that place, and they were pounding on windows. They were pounding on on cars they, with signs, yelling, bullhorns, which, by the way, sidebar here, because protesting in America is something that I think recently here has come under a lot of scrutiny. Mm-hmm. So... Um, before and look white women i'm talking to you as a white woman just can we just take it to the side for a moment because you need to talk into okay as a group of people we need to realize uh the history of activism in this country all the way back to when you know our good sons and husbands were throwing the tea into the boston harbor <laughs> destruction of property much you know we need to really read up on the history before we start to i guess rail against uh protests that don't look and feel exactly the way that you would like them to look and feel so what i'm saying <laughs> is basically honeys we need to check ourselves before we wreck ourselves climbing up on our high horses that we keep in the corner of our two car garages. Okay. Anyway, protesting has a long and rich history in this country and it is how we get shit done that for whatever reason, people refuse to give us. And look, Genentech, not an evil company small startup and they continue to have really good relationships with their activists and they call them activists because that's what they are we still have to protest in this country to get basic medical care mm-hmm. and when i say we i mean i mean all of us but even down to privileged white people like me who have really good health insurance because I work at a freaking hospital and I am a nurse and I still pay out the ass for these medications that by the way are predominantly funded by your tax dollars but we'll get into that (laughs) this is like a really long road to um the issue of pinkwashing but like it's there okay people Anyway, it is there. It is there because because cost is part of this. Right. Because money is part of this. Because you can't talk about pink washing and pink tober and pink this or pink that without talking mm-hmm. about money. Because that's why. Yeah. Absolutely. I think that there are brands that put pink on their products and make a claim that they are for breast cancer just for sales and they don't actually support more their i would say quote unquote donation percentage Mm -hmm. is so minimal that it it doesn't really um, make a difference exactly it's called commodification of mm-hmm. breast cancer and it's exactly what you're saying it's just marketing and commodifying breast cancer there there's no regulatory standards by which you have to donate in any way shape or form your proceeds just because you use breast cancer as a marketing technique there's a woman named Patricia Stratch or Strack 
Uh, I am so bad with other people's names. That's that's not good. Um, She is an author of a book entitled Hiding Politics in Plain Sight. And she talks about how cause marketing in particular waters down problems like cancer. And, and the advocacy into easily marketable, very palatable products and services that kind of limit the way that we view that specific disease. And breast cancer is just a key example of how this happens because it's so palatable, you know, it's women predominantly. So you can talk about a subset of the population that gets uh, taken advantage of throughout history. And it's, it's boobs, which who doesn't like them, right? Because that's what we think of. We think of boobs. We don't, we don't think about people's immune system. We don't talk about the fact that chemo, you know, makes shitty bone marrow out of you and me. We don't talk about how your liver almost falls out, how you have to get an echocardiogram every three months while you're getting Herceptin because, oh, you know, it could cause heart damage. And we don't talk about how radiation causes bifocal scarring in your lungs that can now be considered a pre-existing condition if you ever get another lung disease. So we just focus on breasts, you know? And so it's easy and it's palatable. And I get it. Breast cancer gets a, more than our fair share. We we get October, but the thing is we get all year round. Mm-hmm. Colon cancer gets shit all. Leukemia gets shit all. Bone cancers, like, you know what I mean? Like, what is the color of a bone cancer? What's that color ribbon? I don't even know. Mm-mm. I don't even know. Metastatic breast cancer. I don't even think that's a pink ribbon. Isn't that no. a gold ribbon or a yellow ribbon or something? Gold is childhood cancer. Oh, damn it. See? Mm-hmm. I'm part of the problem. Gold ribbon. I'm part of the problem. <laughs> so, uh, during when I was going through treatment and, um, Anytime I was feeling particularly sorry for myself, I would, um, I don't know. I think, you know, you know what's going on in your life. Well, my phone picked up on the fact that I had cancer and, um, in my, and yeah, it was terrible. Um, in my Instagram feed, there was always little, um, tidbits about childhood cancer and, um, Mm. I quickly stopped feeling sorry for myself, <laughs> but at the same time, I learned, I learned about the gold ribbon, mm. but yeah, no, I think that, um, I have so many feelings about Pinktober. Mm-hmm. The awareness is so important. Um, and then on the other hand, cause, cause there's so much information out there, you know, like mm-hmm. because of it, there's so much like at your fingertips like you know resources and you know just it's out there like everybody sees it it's not something that's taboo or you know not talked about or I mean it's really really out there but then on the other hand you're like it's like what you were saying like the stay strong and the smiley Mm -hmm. part of it and oh it's just breast cancer that saying on its own makes me incredibly furious because there's no such thing as just any kind of cancer period yeah like it's it's all bad it's all bad yeah and those who are going through it are yes we all have different experiences but none of it um is enjoyable to any extent and um it's definitely for those who have it, I feel like it's, it's a harder topic to talk about because I feel like what you've said, the expectation is for it to be like, you've got this and pink is so pretty. And 
Look, I bought you some pink shoes to wear while you go to chemo. There's a, there's a pink <laughs> necklace from Kendra Scott. And it, there is a, another side to this, of course. And it's, I mean, it's the more popular side, which is to embrace this identity, to take it on, you know, as this pink warrior angel, which I think is an actual literal organization uh, here in Texas, but no shade. I'm just saying it's just so much more than that to me. But Estee Lauder Company, as much as they continue to benefit off the marketing of, you know, and the pink washing that they slap on their moisturizers every October, organizations like Susan G. Komen do actually do actually contribute to the research of and the ending of cancer. In fact, you can and they've come under fire previously for the way that they collect and spend money specifically in 2013 when their tax returns were gone over by um, an org known as Charity Navigator. Charity Navigator is an organization that looks into charitable organizations and investigates based on their tax returns, which are available on their website, on Charity Navigator's website, where they're spending the money that they collect from donations, from events and things of that nature. Um, and Susan G. Komen came under fire because their CEO and president was being paid like a lot of money. Like a lot, a lot of money. <laughs> and, <laughs> you know, it was problematic for them for other reasons as well. But Susan G. Komen, according to Charity Navigator, and this has since been resolved for the most part, um, they spend 28.8% on cancer research of everything that they take in. They spend 46.7% on education, and they spend 24.5% on screening and treatment. But again, make no mistake, Susan G. Komen's primary job is to keep Susan G. Komen's in business. That is, they're an organization, they're a self-sustaining model, and, and that right. is their business. And yes, mm -hmm. it, it's a charitable organization, but to act as though the people working there are doing it for charity is, is not the case. So it's mixed. It's very mixed. I don't expect people to do this work for nothing. Yeah. However, you can get into some ethically ambiguous areas when that's your business model, you know? Right. And I feel like, to me, I feel like there was a time where we needed the pink. We needed the awareness and we needed that message maybe culturally, mm -hmm. and I think that time has passed. And I don't have an issue with it being available as a message. It's just, it seems like it's the only message. One, right, one of the things that really bothered me when, after I was diagnosed, is I had somebody tell me, oh, well, at least now you get to get a new pair of breasts. And I mm. was so dumbfounded by this crazy statement and I mm -hmm. thought oh my god what are you saying to me and I guess that is sort of the the way all of this advertising has really like projected breast cancer to the general public mm -hmm. like well, now all you have to do is like, you're, this is all that has to happen. <laughs> and, and I guess, uh, 
for the for the layman who is not um around it or going through it or um experiencing it or have experienced it i could see that that being like an easy pill to swallow yeah very palatable right Mm -hmm. happy ending (laughs) a bad thing happened to you you went through a metamorphosis you emerged from your crystallis with a nice set of double d's and everybody's happy and everything went back to normal Uh, and i just i think that's why people are shocked when they find out that that's just not the case yeah i think people are shocked and i think look i think there are cancers out there like if you have colon cancer and you're listening to this right now you're like oh my god bitches stop complaining Mm -hmm. You are flush with money. You are flush with marketing. You get so many freebies. You get to talk about your cancer freely. And there's not as much complications. Try pooping into a bag, you know? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And I got to say, I don't find anything wrong with, with that idea because you're right. Yeah, I agree. You know? For sure. So it is a bit of a luxury to complain about this. Yeah, we, I mean, breast cancer is barely touching the surface of, of, you know, some of the more, now, of course, breast cancer can be really bad. um, But it, I think there are some other cancers that um, if you start there, Mm -hmm. it starts off in a, um, it's a scarier spot for sure and like you said it's it's not as palatable so that's probably why it's not widely discussed yeah um you know it's funny my older brother even got a pink ribbon tattoo did i ever tell you this i know he got it he got it on his chest where my (gasps) port scar is he said Lauren, which side is your port scar on? And I want to put a pink ribbon on me. And I mean, you see like that kind of, how can I hate that? You know, know. like that was his way of, you know. Like supporting you. Yeah. How can I hate that? Yeah. And you can't really uh-uh. argue with how universal the pink ribbon is. You see it anywhere. You see it on someone and you immediately know. Like, it, it is a feat of modern marketing. It really is. Mm-hmm. So it, it's universality. Is that a word? You know, I'm going to say it confidently. We'll just pretend it's a word. The universality yeah. of it <laughs> is is not my issue it's more the totalitarianism right. behind it where right and the fact that i was not consulted when this decision was made well how dare they how dare they first of all how dare anyone but but they in particular if they had brought me to the table in 1992 <laughs> and estee lauder and company was like we need a ribbon color that will unify the masses and focus their energies on breast cancer research and funding and we're going to start this big marketing campaign i think what i would have chosen would be a hundred dollar bill dipped in liquid diarrhea and then folded in the uh, shape of a ribbon but i can see how that might be problematic <laughs> it's a tough stuff but honestly think of the symbolism because that's my experience of cancer liquid um, i see my yeah mine would have to have and i think that you'd ha- probably agree with this because maybe you rip a hundred dollar bill in half and put it back together with half of a one dollar bill there we go <laughs> There we go. That has to be sewn together because it's got to be, you have to have some sort of. You got it. Sutures there. See, this is why you were invited to this meeting as well. (laughs) 
Yeah. Yeah. Because, and the reason I'm mm -hmm. calling out Susan G is because I really have a love-hate relationship with this company. Susan G. Komen, I have no problems with. She died of breast cancer, so she's out of the conversation. Really can't fault her for totally. that. Mm -hmm. and, and the origins of the organization, her sister starting this company, like, it's beautiful. It's a beautiful thing. Mm -hmm. But they're so big and so influential that they carry an inordinate amount of weight for the breast cancer community, which is why... They are also inordinately responsible for what's put out there. Mm -hmm. And you know that pink is for breast cancer and you know these walks happen and you know that there's like these freebies you can get. But there's very little talk about the actual cost of having cancer. Oh, and gosh, the fact, yes. The fact that in the U.S., a quarter of all cancer patients, all cancer patients, not just breast cancer, choose not to fill their prescriptions because of cost. So there was a study Oof. published in The Oncologist in 2013 that found... There's not, not a pink ribbon on the meds. There's not a pink ribbon on the meds. 20% of cancer patients took less than the prescribed amount of medication, 19% partially filled their prescriptions, and 24% avoided filling prescriptions altogether by the oh way God. all every single one of the cancer patients involved in this study had insurance wow so these are insured individuals who cannot afford the medication which by the way as we previously covered the research and development for was funded by the federal government meaning your tax dollars, meaning these cancer patients paid for their insurance, paid through their taxes to have the research done so these pharmaceutical companies could develop these medications and then have to pay out the ass for the medications. Wow. And it never ends. I went, so I had surgery in March, so I hit my deductible, which is $3,000, and I have good insurance. Like, I have what I would characterize as good insurance. I have a $3,000 deductible, which I have hit every year since 2018. Thank you, cancer. So I hit this thing in April because I had surgery in March. And, ooh, surgeons. It's expensive surgery. Yeah. So, but I went to my clinic last Friday to get some labs done and I had a surprise $900 bill from them out of nowhere in September after I've hit my deductible. It, it was just like, okay, you know, here's your $900. I mean, it's not like I'm not going to get my labs and my medication and you know, it's not like I don't want you people to be paid. You're beautiful people. I love you. But I just, and, and I'm a person who, you know, that's not going to, to wreck me, right? Because again, I'm in a position of, of privilege here, but I can't imagine like that for some people, that's their rent. That's like rent Gro and groceries for a month. Yeah. 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 Can I, you imagine? And I've been, I've wait, I've sat in that waiting room and watched people come up to the desk and they say, hey, you have a balance of $30, $100, $300. And you look I at the never face of these from people, cancer patients. the face of these people with their mm -hmm. like stocking cap on using their walker to get up no. to the counter because they're so physically, it's just. And I just sit there thinking, like, is this the best we can? This is the best we can do. And then it just takes all of the air out of my pink sails. Mm -hmm. It makes it, it makes all the t-shirts and all the walks and all the arches and all the, you know, handprints on a on a wall like just seem silly and a waste of my time. And I know those things aren't mutually exclusive, and I know the one is not directly causing the other or vice versa, <laughs> but, you know, I think it's worth it at this point in time 
to really reconsider our management of what is quickly becoming a national health crisis, and that is the fact that more and more people are diagnosed with breast cancer and all other cancers than ever before, and the price for these medications and treatments is only going up. And very little has been done in the last four years, especially to address the cost of healthcare in this country. Yeah, no kidding. Kind of makes me angry. Right? Yeah, I don't think that... um, I, I think you're right as far as, you know, people don't see the cancer patient as someone who's not only like going through cancer, but also paying out the ass for their treatment. Mm-hmm. Like, I'm just trying to live here, man. <laughs> I'm just trying to continue living, you know, why, why yeah. is suddenly my cost of living gone from, you know, X to Z, like really A to to Z, really fast. Yeah. Really really fast. Yeah. And it's not just, I'm trying to- Doubled in price. Right. It's not even, I'm just, I'm trying to survive. It's, I'm trying to keep my job because without my job, I don't really have access to affordable care. Right. And affordable insurance. So- I am way too tired to continue my work, and yet I have to, like, take someone with great benefits, right? Like, take someone who, like me, I have insurance, I have, if you can do your nails on a Sunday, and they don't start chipping until Friday, you're not working that hard. And that's me. (laughs) Wow, you are lucky. Yeah. I'm one lazy bitch. <laughs> but you know what I mean? Like, but so could I have gone on like long-term disability and been like, I can't do my job? Sure, I could have. You'll make like 50 to 60% of your paycheck. So depending mm-hmm. on whether you can sustain that, it just, it amazes me. Also, you can't, Try to change jobs in the middle of treatment. Oh, God. So thankfully, I find a lot of meaning and value in my job, and I love the people I work with. But imagine if I got cancer, and I mean, I mean, we talked about your bucket of fucks last episode. You just don't have it. It's empty. It hath runneth dry. <laughs> and imagine if that applied to your job, and you were just like, this is meaningless work, and it sucks everything out of my soul Mm -hmm. try changing insurances in the middle of cancer treatment the horror stories no way the the rejections for coverage there there's not enough protecting people Mm -hmm. to be covered and even life insurance some life insurances will drop you oh forget that yeah 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 it's so funny. I have a friend who actually sells life insurance and, um, Ooh. and, uh, she's, she's awesome, but she's like, I'd love to sell you life insurance, but, <laughs> uh, you know, you can't <laughs> I can't. talk about another feat in marketing because life yeah. insurance is not life insurance. It's death insurance. Mm-hmm. Oh yeah, absolutely. Yeah. I took out I took out extra life insurance on my husband. He was like, what is this about? He's like, why are you doing this? And they even sent him a letter saying, uh, your wife took out extra life insurance on you. Like, are you aware of this? This is a letter notifying you. Like, oh my God. Uh Uh-oh. That's how those murder mysteries start. (laughs) Those 48 hours. Or whatever the like bootleg version of 48 hours is. <laughs> it was a perfect marriage. It's 43 hours. The oh, bootleg 40, version. Thank you. Yes. They have less time. Oh my God. Oh my God. Yeah, um, totally. I actually interviewed for a job 
shortly after I finished treatment when my hair was, oh wait, no, I still had, um, my port and I was doing, uh, I was still doing the Herceptin and, um, but my hair was like really, really, really short. And like what you've said before, it was very aggressive woman haircut. Mm -hmm. And it's so funny because that didn't really dawn on me until I was like interviewing with another woman who definitely didn't know what I had gone through. And that's not something that you really talk about on your interview anyways. Like, Oh, I just recovered from breast cancer. No, you certainly don't. And they're like, yeah, we're not hiring you. Yeah. You're risky. Um, mm -hmm. Yeah. Oh, you just took a, uh, an extended leave. Well, no, actually I didn't, but, um, yeah, that, that's not, that's not something that, uh, you're definitely not going to mention those things, but I do remember sitting there in this interview and I think I caught a glimpse of myself, like in a window that was in her office. And I remember looking at my reflection going like, Whoa, (laughs) this is a really aggressive haircut that I have right now. And she probably is not going to hire me just based on the fact that I'm just like, it's so hard you know, with like, I didn't mind it. I actually like my hair really short, but I, Ooh, I love quickly it. recognized that I was like, Oh, <sighs> okay. Yeah. Maybe I, it's difficult toning this down. Yes. I should yes. have put one of those, like, you know, those baby, um, bows in my hair with oh the Velcro. <laughs> <laughs> I should have done that. Just in case there was any question that you were, in fact, a woman with your hair cut above your ears. You know, there's so much about, there are quite a few things, actually, about that. That as, like, a white woman, I I didn't realize. And it's something that women of color have known for years. That there is, like, a very narrow vision of what a woman's hair is intended to look like and if you go outside of those parameters it's just not acceptable yeah it's considered unprofessional aggressive i i went to an interview for a job that um i didn't end up taking because they didn't end up offering it to me but (laughs) i had basically a buzz cut i had a very aggressive fade And then I had like a couple like lines cut into it. Mm, Very vanilla ice. It was cool as hell. It was the coolest. But I'm not sure that in the interview that's how it was taken. (laughs) Because (laughs) I I did three interviews. All, all guys, all dudes, you know probably in their 40s and 50s, just judging, you know, by their appearance. One of them was completely unfazed, completely unfazed. The other two, hard pass, apparently. So, hey. You can tell them staring at it. Yeah, I was like, "Mm -hmm." I'm making you uncomfortable right now, but we're not going to talk about that. We're going to pretend everything is fine. Could have been they just didn't like my qualifications, which... We're pretty stacked, if I do say so myself. But part of me thinks it was the hair. Anyway, moving on from that to the matter at hand. Yeah. Pink is just, I think the word, the operative word for this is problematic. It's not one thing or the other. It's so many things. And Mm -hmm. it's problematic. And... There's a woman named Gail Sulik, and again, I really hope I'm saying that name right. She's a medical sociologist. She's the author of a book called Pink Ribbon Blues, and she's the Mm -hmm. founder of the Breast Cancer Consortium. And she kind of put it very nicely and succinctly, and she said that anyone who doesn't fit the mold of the triumphant, plucky breast cancer survivor doesn't have much of a place in the pink industry. And I think, for me, it's not actually the color. I think for a lot of people, it's not actually the color. It's it's what it's come to represent. It's the pictures and the stories that are pushed to the forefront 
of the 30-something, often thin, often white woman with her arms in the air. Clearly, she has breasts under her shirt. And, you know, maybe hair, maybe not. But she's smiling, and she has no dark circles, and she looks good. And clearly she feels good, and everything's fine. And it's just not attainable for very, very, very many of us. Mm -hmm. I remember going through treatment and on the days when I could go to work, I would go. And of course... I made every effort to not look like I was dying mm. because I also didn't want the pity, you know? Yes. I, I, I definitely did not want that, yes. but it also irritated me when people would look at me and be like, Oh my gosh, you look so good. I'd be like, <laughs> uh, what? Yeah. Like, I mean, Okay, yes. So I made a lot of effort to have a really cool scarf on my head and, you know, rock the eyelashes that I still had. Mm -hmm. And at that time, it wasn't COVID. So I was wearing lipstick mm -hmm. and cute earrings mm -hmm. and an outfit that went with my scarf. Industrial I mean, strength under eye concealer. Oh, industrial, like nobody's business. Mm -hmm. Um. Yeah. I mean, drew my eyebrows on. So they looked amazing. Um, which those have never really come back all the way, but it doesn't matter. Tell me about it. Um, you know, it irritated me for people to tell me that I looked good. Like, Oh my gosh, you look so good. You, you're do you must be doing really well. And I'm like, no, this is all a facade. Mm -hmm. <laughs> like that just means that I did my makeup really well. Like I must be a professional. Yes. Yes. <laughs> like I kicked ass in the makeup world this morning. Which is that a better compliment? Like if they had come to you and been like, you know what? You look great, which I'm sure that you actually feel much shittier than you look. So you are you have a master level like grasp of makeup application. Well done, you. Right. I just I don't think that um I don't know. Maybe because, you know, we're a younger generation um that's going through and having cancer that we kind of give a very different um, look to it. Mm -hmm. You know, I think that they see children who you're not going to go put makeup on a child, you know, and they look yeah. like, like sallow and sunk in it, you know, and then they also see elderly people who also have the same very like pale, you know, and then they see this younger woman generation who is now going through cancer very openly, but we still, I don't know. I'm still operating in the same way that I was when I was healthy, as far as like, I'm going to get up every morning and I'm going to take a shower and I'm going to mm -hmm. put makeup on my face. You know, I, it's not something that I changed except for, like you said, the industrial weight of my makeup. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. Because um, look, at the end of the day, you're trying to keep your job. Yeah. And at least in the back of my mind, with as kind and understanding as as the people that I work with are, I did not want to give the perception that I was working any less diligently for my team just because I had cancer. I know. I didn't like that. I feel I, sorry for you thing. Yeah. Blech. I didn't like that. And also, I didn't want my team not asking me for things. Because I look sick or mm -hmm. worrying about me because I look sick because that's not their job. They have a job and it's important that they do their job. And so I need to not be a distraction. That's was the self-talk going on inside of me. Also, it's in my best interest to remain engaged in my job because just like with women who take time off to have 
their children, to have their families. Mm-hmm. They, we know that, that women who experience cancer miss out on opportunities in the workplace. And it's a detriment to us long-term in terms of our financial stability and our upward mobility. It's hard enough as it is. And yeah. then you just add that onto it. So I didn't want that either. It's just a lot of things going on that are not encapsulated in, in the current narrative yeah. around cancer and breast cancer specifically. I mean, where's the, I appreciate, you know, the American Cancer Society and their look good, feel better class, but where's the, how to, how to put yourself up for a promotion while getting treatment for cancer class? Mm-hmm. That's crazy. That actually happened to me. Really? Yeah. Did you got I a promotion was, while you were I getting? Was, I was up for promotion. I knew my boss was like, he was grooming me before I got cancer. He was grooming me to be his successor. Um, and all of that happened. And I did have a little bit of a worry that, oh my gosh, you know, are they going to still, am I still going to get promoted? Right. You know, um, and I got worried, but I mean, I think it really showed my dedication to my work um, that I was still pushing Mm -hmm. to try and do everything. But, you know, that's that's women for you. You know, a lot of us, we just don't give up. Mm -mm. We don't we don't give up. Um, But I I think that also has a lot to do with you know, survivorhood and really like, well, okay. Throw another rock at me. (laughs) And if it's pink, I swear I'm going (laughs) to, I'm going to pick that shit up and I'm going to throw it right back at you. (laughs) Swear to God, it's coming right back at your head. Uh, I, I'm definitely, poor Susan G. Komen Foundation, I am not anti-pink, I don't think. I'm not anti-Susan G. Komen, but here's what I would like. I just want a shift in focus. I, I want more inclusion. I want more diversity as far as diagnoses and outcomes. I want to see women who are flat-chested, who choose an aesthetic flat closure. I want to see more of that. I want to see more pictures of crying. I want to see more pictures of tired ass looking women on their page. I like to see a few men sprinkled in there, you know, just a few. Let's not go crazy. Okay. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, I would like to see them. I would like to see if they're doing this. I don't know. And I can't figure it out from their website, but I would like to actually see evidence of them lobbying Congress for affordable medications and affordable healthcare. I would like to see who they partnership. I want to see their partnerships with, with organizations that provide women's care um, for free. I would like to see some more activism and more outlets for activism from them. I think they are uniquely positioned, them and other breast cancer organizations that are of their size are uniquely positioned to push this additional narrative and to help get us involved. I would, I would really like to see that. And I think they have the power to do that. And so they have the responsibility to do it. So yeah, that's what I want. And from everybody listening, I would just say, do what you like. If you are living that pink life and it is serving you, great. But just be aware. Just know what you're doing. Have an awareness of what's going on, how that narrative contributes to it, and, ha- and do some just basic level research. 
And if you don't know how to do basic level research, then stay tuned to this podcast because we will be covering that in our next episode. Woohoo! It's going to be a real entertaining one. Everyone gets excited about research. Am I right? Oh, yeah. (laughs) (laughs) So sexy. In conclusion, (laughs) a lot of triggers are imminent in this next month. So take care of yourselves out there. Two resources I'll give you for that. Number one, they're both on Instagram. So kind of a narrow focus there. But I recently discovered an Instagram uh, an Instagram account called The Cancer Patient. <gasps> Have you seen that one? You shared it with me. It's hilarious. Oh, my God. I spent hours down this rabbit. It just, you guys, the memes are so spot on. I can't even tell you. You're about to experience... You're gonna. You're about to be seen like you've never been seen before, mm-hmm. all in a SpongeBob meme. So just buckle up, okay. Second, not cancer related. Instagram account NASA Hubble. Okay. It is all about outer space, and there is a story. It's if you look at it like. Soon, it's like the fourth post down from the top, and scientists have figured out a way that you can hear the galaxy. What it's called sonification, and they take data from several like galaxies and nebula, and they arrange. They like assign musical notes and uh, according to light density and it's just, I can't ever explain. I am about a good four to five years of consistent study away from having the base knowledge necessary to understand what is going on. Okay. But it is amazing. I just, it is amazing. It's a picture of this galaxy or nebula and then the sound as this bar goes across the picture it picks up and it makes sounds depending on what is in like this composite picture of this galaxy or nebula it's uh, it's like soothing in a way that I had no idea existed it's amazing so NASA Hubble just scroll through their Instagram and I, I just I guarantee you it will be mind-blowing and will take you out of whatever space you're in. Space. (laughs) No pun intended. Uh, I'm going to try it. Try it. I, I I mean, I'm not exaggerating. My husband came home that day and I, and I like, you know, airplayed it onto the TV and I was like, look at this. They're making sounds out of stars. And he was not as impressed as I thought. He would be, he was more concerned, I think, but I'm just, it's amazing. And I want to move to Chile so that I can be near the Condra Observatory. Uh, Yeah. I just want to be there. Um, Yep. Yep. Anyway, that's all I've got. You got anything? Um. So I've been a little addicted to, um, so I follow an Instagram post called Humans of New York. <laughs> Have you seen this? No. I'm going to send it to you. Okay, please. They're, so right now they are sharing this woman's story and it's about her life. And she is such a good storyteller. Really? And yeah, I'm going to, I'll share, I'll share the first post with you so you can, it's, you're, you're going to want to read it. Okay. At first I thought this was going the direction of um, people of Walmart, which is endlessly entertaining to me, but this sounds a little more Uh, academic. mm -hmm. (laughs) And I'm into it. No, I think you're going to. 
yeah, yeah, you're really going to like this lady. She's, she's fascinating. I mean, yeah, fascinating. I like it. Mm-hmm. I like it. I like stories. I like people's stories. I mean, that's what we do here, right? Mm-hmm. We collect fascinating stories. So if you're a person and you've had literally any kind of cancer or are in some way cancer adjacent, reach out to us. We're on Instagram at breast cancer is boring, or you can leave a comment in any of the places where you stream this podcast and I'll, Oh God, I guess I should check those places for comments. I rarely do that. Okay. I will start checking for comments anyway. Just DM us. Okay. Slide into our DMS and we will slide you into our podcast and we can talk because (laughs) breast cancer is boring, but you are interesting and we want to know your story. So hit a girl up. <laughs> we'll be talking to you. Watch out for those triggers. Break out those pink everythings and we will see you on the other side of Pinktober. <laughs> <laughs>